Welcome into Bucks Insider Live. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And I think hopefully we are finally not jet lagged enough that we can make some sense on okay. the show. We're feeling good finally. It's, I'm, I'm kind of happy the show wasn't any sooner. I don't <laughs> even know what we would have talked about. Who knows? Uh, but we have an exciting win from Germany to talk about. And we know you probably have tons of questions as the Bucks head into their bye week about the team and about the season. So if you want to send us those, put them underneath the live video on Facebook in the comment section. We'll get to some of those in a little bit. So for now, just go ahead and tell me a little bit about the big picture takeaways from the game and, and anything that really stood out to you in terms of what this game meant to this team and some of the individuals on it. Well, I asked Donovan Smith in the locker room after the game, I said, was this a statement game for you guys? Because they've taken some heat, right? And they've had to adjust to a lot of lineup changes. And he agreed. And really, they think of the amount of time that Tom Brady had to throw in that game. He was not sacked. He was only hit one time. He, uh, he had he had an average of 2.78 seconds uh, from the snap to the throw, which is by far his highest average of the year this season. He's been getting yeah, rid of the ball amazing. really, really quickly and throwing a lot of short passes. But think about those passes downfield. Mike Evans caught one down the sideline. Kate Otten kind of down the seam. Chris Godwin had one. Scotty Miller, remember the one where he jumped at the near the goal line? Mm -hmm. He had time to look downfield and be comfortable and wait and let those plays develop. And that's a little thing we haven't seen a whole lot of out of this offense this year. It's a lot more like what we did in 2020. See, here, here you go with the offensive line statement game. 161 rushing yards, zero sacks, all that. Also, the Buccaneers had their best third down game. They were 10 of 15, but really it was 10 of 13 because there were two kneel downs on mm. third down. And the Bucks were 0 for 2 in the first two drives, needing 10 and 14 yards. So from then on, of the 11 times they tried to convert to third down, they succeeded 10 times, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And that's why you have these extended drives. And part of that was because the good work in the running game <clears throat> was producing a lot of third and one, third and two, third and three, and they were, they were seven to seven on those. Right, yeah. So. Yeah, that all worked together to create a type of offensive output that we haven't seen a whole lot of this year. Yeah, it felt like every storyline that had been a question mark for the team yeah. got answered in this game, right? Third and, one. third and one and third downs on both offense and defense and the red zone, red zone. and extending the drives and not making mm -hmm. the defense be on the field too long. Faster starts. I mean, you name it. Yep. Every potential issue. Except one. Except one. They still kind of lagged a little bit on defense at the end after a dominant right. performance. It was very much like the still Atlanta a little game. bit of a let up in the second half. Here. Well, not even the second half. It was like the fourth quarter. Yeah. Well, yeah, a little bit in the second half because if it hadn't been for that forced fumble by Devin White, then um, it could have been a lot hairier. I agree, and I, I was thinking about that of how important that was of after five games of no turnovers <laughs> and even incredible. You can say even you know five and a half games, or if yeah. you want to, depending on how specific you want to get. So many games without a turnover, and that play by him, it's a reminder of how big turnovers are of what they can do because I agree with you that because that came not long after the Seahawks interception on the trick yeah, play right. and it was the, it was boy that we went from the Bucks having all the momentum to suddenly you could feel that shift oh, happening yeah. and it felt a little dangerous and then Devin's play I mean, to it was me, the play of the game. it was. It, it saved the momentum and it potentially mm -hmm. saved the game, especially when you look at the fact that they really ended up only winning by five. It's yeah. not like it was this blowout situation. Well, it, they immediately, not only did they get that, but they immediately then drove 87 yards for mm -hmm. a touchdown. So it was a complete swing of like f potentially 14 points. Right. And so at that point, it was 21-3 with about 11 minutes to play. And while the defense did have some lapses the rest of the way, they're just 
ran out of time. Right, yeah. In 21-3, with 11 minutes to play, you're almost always going to win that game. Mm -hmm. So it might have seemed a little scary at the end, but the odds were never very strong of, of Seahawks coming all the way back. Yeah, and so tell me a little bit about not just that play, but Devin White's game overall. I mean, now we've seen that he's named the NFC Defensive Player of the Week, which is very deserving. And, um, you know, I, I know people have probably at this point heard about the emotional side of it for him of losing his dad a few days right. before the game. So we know what it, uh, what it meant to him personally for this game. You see him sort of acknowledging his dad after that play. But so separate from just the emotions and the personal side of it for him, in terms of what that game meant to the team and, and what we saw about what this mean, means about Devin's level of play, well, what did that say? Yeah, well, you, you recall, I'm sure, that he was the NFC Defensive Player of the Month for September. So mm -hmm. he obviously was playing really, really well. And the Bucks offense, if you probably also recall, through the first three games was killing it. Mm -hmm. And I think they were averaging nine points allowed per game. And it was it was the best in the league and then you know it didn't kind of hold up as much and and Devin himself took a, a little bit of heat for a couple weeks from outside sources and uh, you see this performance and it's very much more like Devin White at his best mm -hmm. and that means a lot to this defense and especially in terms of getting after the quarterback so he had the two sacks because that play counted as a sack the one we just saw with the forced fumble right he had another one and uh, it, now he's got I can't remember how many he has this year maybe 4.5 or something but over the last well since he came in the league over four years of off-ball linebackers not edge rushers like Shaq Barrett but off-ball linebackers He's the one with the most sacks of anybody in that span, and that's a big part of what the Buccaneers can do because the Buccaneers are, I think, maybe second in the league in sacks as a team, mm -hmm. but we don't, I mean, Vita Vea leads us with 6.5. We don't have Shaq Barrett with 10 sacks right, right. now. It's very much a team effort. You know, Antoine Winfield's got three, uh, and, and Devin White is a big part of that effort. He had the two sacks. He had another play where he just shot up the middle and disrupted the play, and I think he got credit for a quarterback hit. So that element to the game was maybe missing for a little while, but mm -hmm. having that back is big. Right. And then, of course, because he did so well, we, we forgot to mention, or I forgot to mention, he was named the NFC Defensive mm -hmm. Player of the Week. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, uh, and <clears throat> it's so well-deserved and just so happy for him. And, you know, earlier you did mention the longer drives, which, of course, we yeah. know also helps the defense, helps those guys be fresh to make plays yeah. like that for sure. Um, it's one thing to know that just recently this team had struggled a little bit in terms of putting together longer and drives them, and yeah. finishing them. But... Put into perspective a little bit for us how impressive it was, how long these drives were, yeah. how many of them they were doing. That well, did it feel impressive just because of what they've done recently, or was it actually a, no, a pretty big deal? It's not common that the Bucks did do what they did in that game. They came into this game with three drives, touchdown drives of 80 or more yards in the entire first nine games, and they had three in that game. They had an 88, an 87, and an 83, I think, or 80, 86. So three of the top five longest drives of the entire season, touchdown drives, were in this game, and as you can see there on this chart. Doing that three times in one game is not common. At least it's not common for the Bucks. I didn't look it up for every team. Right. But I have charts of, um, of drives going back to 2000, and I could only find five games, including this one, in that span where the Buccaneers had three 80-plus touchdown drives in the same game, and they never had four. So they, I don't have the information from 99 earlier, but from 2000 on, the last 23 seasons, that's as good as it's been in right. terms of sustaining drives. So it's, it's not common, but it is encouraging going forward. We may not have 83, 80-yard touchdown drives next week or the week after, but showing the ability to consistently keep moving the chains is what was encouraging. Yeah, I feel like a couple weeks ago, Coach Bowles said one of his availabilities about how some of these plays and drives and moments are contagious, where you just kind of need to get started and you need to get rolling a bit. And it feels like maybe that game-winning drive for the Rams was that catalyst. Yeah, it was that it. thing to remind the team 
who they are, get that identity back. And then, of course, health is just such a huge factor in this, and it's why the Bucks were the healthiest team in the league the year they won the Super Bowl. Right. That is not a coincidence. And, and, it wasn't, and it wasn't the case last year. And it was and not, it the, case. not been the case. This exactly. Year. And I feel like this last game against Seattle was the closest we've seen to having a fully healthy team because yeah you had most of these guys week one but I think it's safe to say Chris Godwin you know you lost him partway through the game and he just wasn't back as much mm -hmm. in terms of his legs under him and all of that mm -hmm. to feel like you have Anton Winfield Jr. back you have Akeem Hicks back Julio yeah, Jones like, yeah. looked like Julio Jones right. Chris Godwin looked more like Chris Godwin both of those guys getting their first touchdowns I feel like we finally saw the Bucks team that they had envisioned and you forget how much either Brady having to learn all these new different targets not having that consistency every day um, I, I just feel like this is hopefully a sign of what this team can be moving forward yeah. when they're healthy so now that it's the bye week for you what are the biggest things that you're going to be looking at for this back part of the season we're, we're past the midway point but yeah, you know bye like week yeah kind of a half and half thing so what are the, the biggest takeaways you feel like you have from that beginning part that will be something you're looking for these back seven well I think you kind of brought it up earlier the, the things that have been ailing the Buccaneers, most of them, third and one, third and short, um, third downs overall, red zone, uh, just basically consistently maintaining that things are doing well, having time to make plays downfield mm -hmm. a little bit more, getting Chris Godwin and Julio Jones more involved, that sort of thing. Um, that was all in evidence, as you just very well pointed out, in this game in Germany. Can it continue? Is it the beginning of a trend? And I would like to think so. Um, but you also mentioned how coaches talk about momentum, right? And, right. and these things building on each other or turnovers coming in bunches and so on. I don't know if that's actually true, <laughs> but I understand why they feel that way. And maybe that sort of speaks it into existence because they've been through this. I mean, mm -hmm. think about the Super Bowl year, right? Things weren't going great headed into the bye, seven and five, better than five and five, but they weren't going great. Had lost three of the last four and then came out of that and just started rolling, right? right? And then everything they were doing well, they were doing well every single week. And so maybe they, maybe the fact that they feel like that can happen will help it happen mm -hmm. yeah and I do think that um, it's so interesting how every year when it comes to the bye week we always end up talking about how thankful we are the bye week is here to get some guys healthy I don't remember a time where the week before the bye week yeah. we were saying wow look at all these guys we have back healthy right. and how what a luxury that is mm -hmm. to not be in, in more of a desperate yeah. place and to have a late bye like this and still feel like you're actually trending right. upward health-wise even before you hit the bye yeah and this maybe this will help get Logan Ryan closer to returning mm -hmm. so they have more options on defense again uh, it, it helps that Leonard Fournette will have time to rest that hip injury a little yep. bit longer because hip pointers usually take between one and three weeks to recover from how serious it right. is so it, it can still help and and then we we don't forget I don't think I'm not saying you forgot this or anything but a player may not be listed on the injury report right but these guys have gone through a lot and yeah. so everyone, everyone's kind of hurt versus yeah. injured at this point so Mondays, everybody right yeah everybody needs that week off they're stiff on Monday so having the whole week off going into next week they should feel better a lot better yeah which is great um, and let's kind of close with this I know something we haven't talked about is Rashad White and oh yeah his incredible game that he had over 100 yards you brought up Leonard Fournette and that you know Rashad White in the wake of him of Fournette being out and even mm -hmm. before he was out was really stepping up and he, we've even seen Keyshawn Vaughn get a few carries you know in these last couple games I think he had a 10 yarder in this one so um, what do you feel like you're intrigued to see in terms of just how this running back room is is used and is this we know that they've wanted to establish the run game like this all season and what it is that has finally happened between them and the O-line that do we see this moving forward how much is each guy maybe being used what does the Buccaneers run game look like 
ideally going forward. Well, first, Keyshawn Vaughn, you were right. He, did, he had an 11-yard gain. It was actually on a reception. Mm. It was a really good play yeah. to spin away from the, the tackler, and it was a key first down when they were trying to run out the clocks. Over, So that was good. Yeah. Overall, obviously, Rashad White was great, and he has shown flashes of that. And then when he got a chance to get 22 carries, you saw that somewhere along the way he's going to break free a couple times. He had a 29-yarder and an 18-yarder, which are the Bucks' two longest runs of the entire season. And, of course, we can't n not mention the incredible stiff arm that sent yeah. Quandre Diggs into another zip. That was amazing. That was amazing. And uh, it was funny hearing him talk about it because they asked him how that happened. He said, I don't know. I just I started stutter-stepping to set him up for something, but I didn't know what that was going to be. <laughs> and then it just happened. Happened, yeah. So anyway, That's as amazing. for the overall game, I'm going to assume that Leonard Fournette is back for the Cleveland game, or if not, he doesn't miss, miss much time. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're contemplating what the backfield will look like with both Leonard with and Rashad, Rashad yeah. healthy. I don't think it's going to be a flip. So Leonard's played about 72% of the snaps so far. Rashad's played about 30. I don't think you're going to see that flip and, and Rashad become the lead guy. But I do think that you will probably find Rashad closing that gap. A Maybe 60-40. Yeah, kinda. something more like that yeah. because you, you get to the point where you can't ignore this guy's producing big plays when you yep. get him on the field. On the other hand, Leonard Fournette has a very good track record, and the coaches trust him, Tom Brady trusts him, and we have seen that when Lenny gets hot, he can really get on a roll, mm -hmm. like in the 2020 playoffs. So you don't want to take away that from your offense and and uh, and you know lose the possibility of him getting on heater, right? But right. you also probably want to see a little bit more of Rashad White. So I just expect to see that gap close a little bit. Probably not, a, if both those guys are healthy, probably not a whole lot of options opportunities mm -hmm. for Keyshawn, but we'll see. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Bucks Insider Live. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.